When it comes down to tracking national security threats, the latest wave of artificial intelligence tools may help the Department of Homeland Security pick the right face out of a crowd. The agency has a few facial recognition projects in the works, but a recent data breach of one of its subcontractors has Congress taking a closer look at the security of all that data and the accuracy of those results. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman joins me with more. And Jory, let's start out with what are DHS officials looking to get out of facial facial recognition technology that we don't know about or that's new here. The officials who have led the charge on this at DHS really see this as a force multiplier more than anything else for their current workforce. And it's a well-documented thing that some of these subcomponents like CBP have faced workforce hiring and retention challenges in the past. And combined with this technology, they can really get the most out of their current workforce going forward. Okay, you'll have to explain that one, how facial recognition helps the productivity of people like Customs and Border Protection officers. Officials with DHS have cited growing numbers of airline passengers coming through airports. And so when you combine that growing volume of folks coming through airports and across borders and perhaps a shrinking number of DHS officials, they think that these technologies, these facial recognition technologies can really help step it up in a way. All right. So productivity enhancement and what are the components actually working on this? You mentioned Customs and Border Protection. By implication, you mentioned Transportation Security Administration. They are working on several initiatives. CBP standalone, they are working on technology on various ports of entry on the U.S.-Mexico border to take photos of drivers as well as their license plates. CBP has also partnered with TSA to, as I mentioned, with the airports. They are looking to do some of this technology at bag drops at various airports. Right now, they're working at the airport in Atlanta for some of this technology, as well as with the the TSA checkpoint. When folks go through that, they'll get a, a facial scan there. And also, the Secret Service is working on this technology. They didn't give a ton of details at a recent House at a recent House Homeland Security committee hearing, but they they are working on ways to enhance security around the perimeter of the White House. So that's the Secret Service. The Secret Service. Yeah, we we heard a couple of details from Joseph DiPietro. He is the chief technology officer, and he did kind of he gave very few details and he did opt for a a closed door briefing later on. And Chairman Benny Thompson did take him up on that. So that will be something that they will go through. But the the public hearing, they said that they are looking at ways to using Secret Service employees as volunteers. They are playing the role of malicious folks that they want to keep an eye on. And if as they're milling about Lafayette Square, the idea is that this technology is able to pinpoint them in a crowd as they move about the uh, the grounds. Now, there have been a lot of stories about the size of the facial databases that some of the agencies already have, like the FBI, that's Justice Department. What are some of the concerns that members of Congress raised in this hearing about not so much maybe the efficacy of using facial recognition on a mass level, but they seem to be concerned about security of the data should it fall into the wrong hands? Right. Well, a recent headline did not help uh, members of Congress assuage their concerns about this. Just uh, just last month, CBP did did announce that there was a breach of a subcontractor's networks, not CBP's. They were very careful to make that distinction. The subcontractor was Perceptics, 
and the malicious hack uh, resulted in the breach of about 100,000 images of the images of drivers crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, as well as license plate photos. And when we talk about sensitive information in these breaches, you know, happens with social security numbers, and you can do something about that, it's really hard to get a new face, Tom. And so it's the most sensitive information out there, and so it really has people concerned. We, we heard from John Wagner. He is CBP's Deputy Executive Assistant Commissioner for Field Operations. And at that recent committee hearing, he gave an overview of what went wrong here. Well, this was a standalone pilot, so it was outside of our normal network. And we apparently did not have the same level of controls and audit capabilities on that because it was a, a standalone closed system. Those are things being put into place now on all those systems to make sure you can't connect a, a portable media drive on that and extract information. You know, our main network has these protocols on them, but we didn't have them on this type of system. All right, so that was a subcontractor, although parts of the supply chain are supposed to have security, too, under the new thinking of, in cybersecurity for the government generally. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And what about the pilot programs themselves that DHS has been running that you described? What have members of Congress thought about that? What we heard from House Homeland officials was different than what we've heard from other committees. House Oversight and Reform has looked at this as well, and they have taken a more critical look at this. Members like ranking member Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows, they have said that they should really pump the brakes on this and you know start over and really take a closer look at some of the challenges that are being raised here. That didn't really come up at this hearing. Chairman Benny Thompson did say that People have a right to have answers to some of these questions about security and transparency. And Congressman John Katko, he is a Republican on the committee and he has a law enforcement background. And he says he has no doubt that this is going to be a useful tool for law enforcement going forward. My concern is that we get it right, like we've done with fingerprints and like I think we're doing with DNA. My questions focus on the accuracy and the things we need to do to make it better. And my colleagues have asked some great questions about the use of it and the extents of the use, and we're going to have to have more discussions about that. I'm very concerned about the accuracy, and that was a big thing with DNA starting out, and now DNA is the accuracy and the testing is amazing, and it's almost it's it's dispositive almost all the time. I don't think we're there yet with facial recognition. I'd like to get there. So he's saying, yes, Congressman Katko, that DNA is incontrovertible in most cases, but there seems to be some error factors in the case of recognition. And this varies by the race of the person whose image is taken. A lot of things in the technology still, as I understand it. Did they raise those concerns in this House Homeland Security hearing, Jory? Those exact concerns came up during the hearing. Uh, the gender of the person, the sex of the person, the race of the person, these are all variables that do affect the, the ultimate reliability of this information. Some of these tools from different vendors and... NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, they have looked at a lot of these different vendors, and they do say that some of the top performers are 99.7% accurate, and you know those are pretty good numbers. That that, and those are clearly pretty good numbers. But we also heard from Charles Romine; he's the director of the Information Technology Laboratory at NIST, and he said that there's still challenges you know, uh, going forward. It is unlikely that we will ever achieve a point where every single demographic is identical in performance across the board, whether that's age, race, or sex. But we want to know just exactly how much the the difference is. Yeah, so that's not a totally optimistic outlook for the efficacy of facial recognition. What's going to happen next for some of these pilot programs? 
Well, DHS has plans to move to the cloud for where they're storing some of these images, at least where it pertains to foreign nationals in their exit entry program. They're going to move to what's called the Homeland Advanced Recognition Technology, or HART. That's going to be the name of their new cloud going forward. Look for that in 2020. And also the Secret Service just next month will wrap up their facial recognition program at the White House. Here's what we know about it already. The Secret Service began this pilot in the winter, and they will wrap it up in August. And that's actually on purpose because of the different environment, the different seasons. They want to be able to see if the Secret Service volunteers can be pinpointed with this tool, whether it's them wearing heavy winter coats or them wearing summer you know, shades and T-shirts and flip-flops and things like that. So a variety of different scenarios to enable this tool to be able to pick out these same faces under a variety of different circumstances. All right. Well, I've always thought when you look up at the clouds, you can see all sorts of faces if you kind of squint and use your imagination. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision.